everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Flowers podcast. This is your host, Carly Rasball, and I am in a slump. (laughs) I have been meaning to record like all week with my special guest for this week, and I just, I had a lot of like exciting things happening like over the weekend and um, like things happening this week and I just kind of got into a slump. So it's been a little hard for me to like have motivation to really do anything to be honest, but I am so happy I recorded this episode and I'm really excited for everybody to listen to it. Um, This episode is with somebody who is very, very close with me and I'm very thankful for them to share their story and what they've gone through. I think it'll really benefit a lot of mothers and soon-to-be mothers and uh, really just anybody in general who is curious about pregnancy and a huge topic we're going to talk about in this episode is postpartum depression. And if you don't know what that is, it's a medical condition that many women get after having a baby. And usually it's really strong feelings of sadness, anxiety, um, tiredness. um, And really it it can be very um, detrimental. I think it's really important to talk about this because it is Suicide Prevention Month and unfortunately a lot of mothers do decide to take their own life after postpartum like after they deal with it um, or while they're dealing with postpartum depression and honestly like I'm 18 years old and I don't have like friends my age getting pregnant but I know of a lot of people who want to have kids in a couple years or you know my sister she's at the age right now where she could be having babies and a lot of her friends um, experience things like this so I think it's really important to talk about and not only to have this person share what they're going through or what they went through to help another person so without further ado I would like to start this episode and I also just want to preface you know Let's be kind about what this person talks about and, you know, things are different for everybody. And again, I just want to put out there the suicide hotline number is 988. So if you are having thoughts of suicide or you know of somebody who are having thoughts of suicide, that number is available at all times. So, all right, let's get into this episode. All right, so the guest we have this week is Julie Resbaugh. Yay! So, Julie, who are you? <laughs> Tell us about yourself. I am better known as Carly's mom or Ethan's mom or McKaylee's mom. I feel like that's my main identity <laughs> or even Michael's wife. Um, I was born and raised in Indiana I met my husband, Michael, when I was 15 years old and he was 16 years old. We got married when I was 20 and he was 21. 
and so she's dealt with him for a very long time <laughs> yes a or very maybe long he's time. dealt with you for a very long time that could be true too <laughs> um either way we've been together a very long time and like i said we have three really great kids that i'm super proud of mckaylee cynical she's married to jonah and then carly and ethan yeah so three kids equals three pregnancies yes ma'am so let's talk about each of those pregnancies let's start with mckaylee okay mckaylee's pregnancy or the my pregnancy with mckaylee was difficult in way of i was i had terrible morning sickness for pretty much the entire pregnancy and it wasn't really morning sickness it was all day sickness mm -hmm. but um i kind of learned how to manage it believe it or not they say lemon is a good um nausea disruptor i guess you could say so lemon lime gatorade was my bestest friend in the wide <laughs> world anybody who knows me knows i do not like gatorade let alone lemon lime gatorade but it did make me feel better and I was preeclamptic with McKaylee, meaning my blood pressure was out of control. I retained an immense amount of water. My ankles were probably three times the size what they oh normally gosh. are. Um, and I was very miserable. So I was put on bed rest. She was due May 28th and I was put on bed rest early April. Mm -hmm. And I had her May 8th. Yeah. So she was three weeks early. Delivery was a dream. <laughs> I was sure I was meant to have kids. Of course, I had to be induced because of my preeclampsia. And they were like, this will take a long time. It's um, a really slow process. It's not really great you know, having to go through all this, but I was like, it's all right. And so they induced my pregnancy at like 5 PM and, um, gave me medication to help start contractions and all the fun stuff that goes along with having a baby, delivering a baby. And, um, at 6:51, after literally maybe an hour and a half of actually feeling labor pains, I had a baby and it wasn't that bad. I <laughs> did not have any drugs um, and I did not have epidural or anything like that. And I really kind of wondered why people thought this was such a terrible thing <laughs> because I mean, it hurt, but I was like, this is, I could have kids like once a month if this is oh how it's gosh. supposed to be. Like it really was, a cr the craziest experience but imagine having kids once a month <laughs> i know right <laughs> um not that i would ever do that but i literally thought this was way easier than what i expected mm -hmm. um i have zero idea why it was that way maybe i just had really great nurses i don't know i know that your dad went and took a nap on the couch and momo and i sat up playing cards and it was like 4.30, they came in, broke my water, and it wasn't until then that I could start feeling contractions. Oh and I'd gosh. been having contractions the whole time. Didn't, didn't feel it. Oh my gosh. So it was like nothing. 
Until. Until. <laughs> so it took me four years to get pregnant for you. After McKaylee, there were um, some things that my body just was not happy with. Um, and it took us a while to get pregnant again. Mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't afraid to be pregnant. The preeclampsia was a little... Um, a little frightening, but statistics said that normally, you know, you have it with your first kid and you don't have it after that. So I wasn't really afraid of that. Um, my pregnancy was nothing to write home about. Like the morning sickness was not terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, none of that. However, I was just sick. And when I mean sick, I mean, I had chronic sinus infection. I was constantly um, having to take an antibiotic or um, just my nose was stopped up. I was sick the entire pregnancy with like a cold. Dang. And it was miserable and awful. And at one point I... Um, along with your dad and your sister, all, all three of us came down with the flu and my flu became very um, detrimental, I would say to my health and yours. And then I, it progressed into pneumonia and I had to be hospitalized. I was in the hospital for about a week. Oh my gosh. And that just, I think it just took a toll on my body. It was awful. I felt awful. Um, I know that there are things that you can do when you're pregnant um, for infections and different, different medical um, conditions that you're having, but I don't know, cold medicines and things like that are just not things that you really want to mess around with when you're pregnant. So I know that they gave me medications, a lot of fluids through an IV and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. I did breathing treatments and stuff like that, but it was a little bit scary knowing yeah. that I was holding a baby inside and so sick. Yeah, I can imagine. So, but we got through that. That was fine. Um, like I said, about a week later, I got to go home and... I wish I could tell you what month that was. I, I really, truly don't remember. I know I was in the hospital and we know that flu season starts in October. So I have a feeling it was in November, December, but to be honest with you, I, I really cannot say, but I know that January 4th, my whole life changed when I was on my way to work. <laughs> I had dropped McKaylee off at, um, daycare. And I was just past the hospital in LaGrange on my way out of town. And there was a deer that was crossing the road. I thought it was a cow. It was not. It was a deer. There is a cow in the story. But oh, it was okay. a deer that was crossing the road. And always your first instinct is don't hit the animal. So I swerved to the left to miss the deer because I didn't want the deer to come through the windshield and hit me. I was pregnant. <laughs> That's all I kept thinking was, oh my gosh, I don't want the deer to come through the windshield and hit me. So I swerved to the left and I hit 
a giant boulder in some people's yard and my car flipped over on the driver's side side so my door it flipped over to the door side then i hit something else and it flipped me over onto my roof and i slid down the road about 50 feet on my roof and it actually went from one side of the road to the other side of the road and when i hit the grass on the other side of the road it flipped me back over onto my wheels <laughs> where i my my vehicle came down and was straddling a fence that had cows cows in yep. the pasture while and, she was pregnant with me yes well I, I was six months pregnant um and it was funny because i'm sitting in the driver's seat and these cows are like coming up the pasture <laughs> mooing at me because they're like what is happening <laughs> um and the poor farmer that lived in the house just right down the road he came running i remember him running um i had a cell phone i called 911. so you were conscious 100 percent through the whole thing and this is a crazy thing this was god okay i was in like this little bubble I was sitting in my seat facing forward with my hands at 10 and two when I hit the boulder. I landed on the side of that fence with my hands at 10 and two facing forward without a scratch on me. I did not have glass in my hair, even though the windows had shattered. I did not have a scratch on my face, my arm, nothing. Wow. You were moving in my tummy. I'm sure that you were probably like, oh my gosh, mom, what the <laughs> heck is happening? Um, but I walked away. I literally could, I could have walked away from that. Obviously I didn't. We called 911. They sent the EMS and the fire department. When the fire department showed up after the EMS workers, I was like, why is the fire department here? <laughs> and the lady was so kind. She's, she said, they go where we go, sweetheart. I was oh like, oh, gosh. okay. I was just worried that I started a fire or something. <laughs> but no, they go where we go, sweetheart. That's what she said to me. She was so uh -huh. kind. Get to the hospital. Everything, everything checked out is fine. I didn't even have to stay in the hospital overnight after my accident. Oh my gosh. I could go home. And that was scary then driving again with you. Mm -hmm. still being um pregnant with you i i was afraid to drive and that sort of thing but that was about all the the problems i had from the car accident and you were due may 4th you were supposed to arrive on may 4th um but again my blood pressure was not happy and I have blood pressure issues. So again, I had to be induced with you. And I expected to have this very easy <laughs> delivery um, and experience just as I had had with McKaylee. And well, anybody who knows you knows nothing's easy with you. Yes. And it's, no, you nothing's do easy, it's just easier. Well, right? you do things in your own time. <laughs> Like nobody can rush you to do anything. No. We have to literally tell you three hours before we're leaving because yeah. you I take do things time. in your own <laughs> time. 
And uh, so I got to be in labor, like, I think it was like a total of 36 hours. And um, from the time they started like the Pitocin and the things to make me go into labor um, until the minute I delivered you, it was literal hell. My medication kind of got messed up along the way. Um, that created a problem. Um, my body just was not cooperating and you were not cooperating. <laughs> Imagine that. You were like, no, not going to do that. So uh, I was in labor for a very, very long time. And it was a painful labor. Again, no, I did not do epidural, no drugs. I wanted to um, last as long as I could without having drugs. And I made it through the whole thing without it, but it was awful. It was absolutely <laughs> awful. Uh, we did talk about um, a cesarean section, my doctor. and Which is a C-section. Yes. <laughs> uh, your dad and I and the doctor talked about that. She wanted to give me a little more time. Thankfully, we did not have to have a cesarean, and I was able to deliver you naturally. Um, but it was awful. It really was. I was, um, so uncomfortable. I didn't want anybody around me. I didn't want your dad. I didn't want McKaylee. I didn't want my mom. I didn't want anybody even in the room. I just wanted to be left alone. It was miserable. Wow. Um, but we, we delivered you, you came out just as you should. And that was great until I went home. I'll get back to that in a minute though. Um, fast forward to about nine months down the road. <laughs> nine months. I was at work and I don't know, my body was just feeling real weird. Didn't really know what or why. <laughs> and so on my lunch break, I went to the pharmacy in Middlebury and I got myself a pregnancy test and I took it in the bathroom at work. <laughs> That's where you found out. Oh, oh is, yeah. <laughs> and it was positive. And I cried in the bathroom for longer than my lunch break. And I called the doctor and told them that I needed to come in right away, that something wasn't quite right. <laughs> I didn't want to tell them something that wasn't quite right was, I think I was pregnant, but <laughs> I was like, I'm coming in. I'm coming in. And so I left work and I went and they had me do a blood draw to confirm that I was pregnant. So I did the blood draw. They said they would call me back. I got home. My mom was there. You and McKaylee were there. Your dad was there. Now, everybody, everybody, my mom and Michael, I told them that I had to have a blood test done at work, obviously, because I have the, you know, tape thing on my arm. Mm -hmm. I just said that they were checking something. So you didn't tell them that? No, 
<laughs> Neither of them. Um, my mom thought that something desperately was oh, wrong gosh. with me. Of course. But I wouldn't tell her what. Um, and so all of us are at the house and um, the phone rings and it's my doctor's office. And I take the phone into the bathroom by myself and they tell me, yes, you are indeed pregnant again. <laughs> and I sobbed a, quite a bit actually and said that I couldn't possibly be pregnant, that I already had a baby that was just nine months old. And they said, oh, but you are. <laughs> and um, so I hung up and I sobbed some more. And I cracked the door open just the tiniest little bit. And I said, Michael, you need to come here right now. So he came in the bathroom and I wouldn't let him in the bathroom. He was standing on the <laughs> other side and I like cracked the door open and I looked at him and I go, this is my exact words. Pardon me if you think this is bad to say, but I go, <laughs> I'm freaking pregnant. That's exactly what I said. I'm freaking pregnant. And he got the biggest grin on his face and he goes, you're pregnant. <laughs> and he like laughed about it a bit. And I was like, do you not see the baby in there? And I cried and my mom could hear us talking. And anybody who knows my mom knows that like, you can't have a conversation with her anywhere close and not include her in it. <laughs> Sorry, mom. I love you love a lot. You. Yeah, love you, mama. <laughs> and so she came in here in the kitchen, which was by the bathroom, and she is like, what is going on? What did they tell you? What is wrong? <laughs> and I just busted out bawling, and I was like, I'm pregnant again. And <laughs> she laughed, and she said, I knew it. I knew that's <laughs> what it was. That's so mama. Yes, oh, my god, so her. I and, knew it. Yep. So that is how I found out I was pregnant for your brother. That was so very much unplanned. Um, <laughs> not a mistake. Just not, unplanned. <laughs> yes. He is not a mistake. He was unplanned. He was supposed to come at least a year and a half later. <laughs> um, because we did want to have four kids. Um, at any rate, um, my pregnancy with him was fine. I was really not born. I didn't have morning sickness. I, um, I, I really felt fine. There was a point in time where they, when I was just at my regular doctor's visit that, um, they couldn't find his heartbeat and we had to have an ultrasound early to make sure that I hadn't miscarried, but everything was really okay. Um, everything went through the pregnancy just fine. No problems. Like um, I had had with you with the chronic sinus infection, no preeclampsia, but my blood pressure was a little bit high. So again, just like you and your sister, he <laughs> was induced three weeks early. Um, September 19th. September 19th is when he came along. His due date was October 11th and he came September 19th. The day after your birthday. The day after imagine. my birthday. Could you imagine that? Oh, Could you imagine if I would have went into labor on my birthday <laughs> and then delivered him the day after? That would have been terrible. It really would have. Well, I can imagine that after the horror of your pregnancy with me in labor. Well, so that was, yeah, that was a conversation that I had with the doctor a lot. Um, she knew how 
incredibly hard your labor was um, and how terrible the the pregnancy was. Um, I had 100% confidence in my doctor. I knew that um, she would do whatever she needed to do to make me comfortable mm -hmm. and to make sure that I stayed safe as well as the baby. And she said, we will deal with however it comes along when it comes along. And she said, we will make sure that you don't go through that again, if that is what it comes to. But it didn't come to that. Um, however, the labor part went super fast. <laughs> um, she thought that it would be, you know, 12 hours, 14 hours, whatever. They called her and said, you need to get here now because this woman is going to deliver this baby like very, very soon. <laughs> so she- how, Like how long after you were induced? You know what? I don't remember what time I went in to be induced for But him. it was like soon after you were induced? It was not, it was not more than 24 hours after being induced that I had a baby. Wow. Um, when they called her, she kind of was like, no, there's no way that she's that far along right now. And they're like, oh, on the contrary. And um, so she's like, okay, I'll be down there or whatever. And they actually had to get the ER doctor because I was going to deliver the baby before my doctor was able to get there. And literally the doctor ran in. I don't even know that she was able to put uh, like everything on that, you know, you would normally put on yeah. in the way it was supposed to be put on. But like she sat down and Ethan zoop right out <laughs> and she caught him in her arms. Like that was how it went. Oh my gosh. It was super fast. And because it was super fast, Ethan did not spend enough time in the birth canal to um, contract his lungs. And when he was born, he wasn't breathing. Mm. So they diagnosed him with something is a very long word, but um, it, they call it TTN and um, scary time. He stayed in kind of like a little bubble and had to have a feeding tube. We couldn't really hold him and, and do all the things that you normally do with a newborn um, for the first 24 hours of his life, but he did pull through fine. We didn't have to be um, taken to a children's hospital or anything like that. He really did pull through. And I owe all of that to the staff at the hospital and our doctor. 100% they took great care of him. Um, worst feeling in the world is watching your child struggle to breathe. And that's what was happening. So that was terrible. But then we took him home. And uh, now he's allergic to everything on the planet. <laughs> and has asthma because of those allergies. <laughs> but he's... I mean, we all have our own problems now. Right. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So three different kinds of uh, births, essentially. Yes, three very different kinds of births. So you said that you originally wanted to have four kids mm -hmm. and after Ethan. We had a conversation with our doctor. Um, I was I was considered high risk because I'd had preeclampsia, but my blood pressure just just so out of control. Mm -hmm. 
and I, my body just did not, um, respond while being pregnant. And, um, she advised us that, you know, we could have more kids, but it would be very dangerous and, um, that we needed to consider that. And we felt that that was, um, best for both myself and whatever child that, Mm -hmm. that we just be good with three. And we were, we were good with three. We had two amazing daughters and now a son, um, a boy that could carry on their basketball name that we're very, very proud of Mm -hmm. and two amazing girls. And we were okay with three. So we stopped at three. Good. Okay. So tell me what your history of mental health is. Um, until I was an adult, I would say that I never really considered myself having anxiety or any mental health issues. Growing up, I did not have any uh, indicators that I can recall um, with anxiety or depression or anything like that. Um, I, because of some family things, um, I, I could confidently say I had like, um, I don't know what trauma. Um, I don't know if I would want to call it trauma. Uh, I was afraid of being left. Abandonment issues. Abandonment issues. Yeah. Um, which I, I'm not really comfortable getting into all that, but, um, I would say that that would be the only thing that I could think of as a child and maybe a teenager Mm -hmm. that I can remember, but I can't remember anything before I was married and had children that, um, really kind of stuck out to me. But since I've been an adult, um, I have developed anxiety that I do take medication for. Um, and I believe that the reason my anxiety is um, present is because I was recently recently diagnosed with ADHD. And um, people, I was diagnosed at 42, 43 years old with ADHD. Looking back, I'm pretty sure I've had ADHD <laughs> all my life. Um, but like you kind of chalk it up to... Uh, Oh, that was just because of this or that. Yeah, you don't like make excuses. Yeah, you really kind of make excuses. And not that I am ancient, <laughs> even though I do kind of feel that way sometimes. Um, I just think that we've come a long way in looking at ADHD and anxiety and different things. Um, and I just don't think that I had the um, normal markers that an ADHD individual would have had as a kid Mm -hmm. that it was just kind of easily overlooked. But looking back after working for a school for so long, working at a school for so long and seeing kind of the process that some kids go through, um, I, I, I think I can see that. Yeah. Um, my first, um, interaction, not, I don't want to say interaction. My first, um, 
I guess diagnosis was postpartum depression. And that was after I had you. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not, um, know what postpartum depression really was. And, um, I didn't recognize that that's what was happening until I spoke to my doctor about it. Yeah. So what was happening that you spoke to your doctor about? Um, I went through periods of time where I was, uh, very closed off and wanted to be alone with just you. And by that, I mean, being alone with just you, um, I, McKaylee was not a priority for me. Granted, I had a newborn, um, but my mom was so helpful after I had each of you kids. And, um, you know, after you have a kid, you just don't sleep. You mm-hmm. just, you're tired. The baby keeps you up a lot. So she was so helpful at taking McKaylee and doing things with her or keeping her overnight so that her life wasn't as interrupted. Um, and I could sleep when you slept and that sort of thing, which really kind of never happened. But, um, my, I was hyper-focused on you. I, um, had thoughts of suicide. I had thoughts of taking you and myself and just running away. Um, or ending both of our lives. Um, I was sad. Um, it was a horrible time. Mm -hmm. And I knew that something just wasn't right. There had to be a reason I was feeling this way. I didn't feel this way after I had McKaylee. So I spoke to my doctor and she said, you, you have classic postpartum depression. And she said, we can help you and prescribe medication. Mm-hmm. And I took the medication until you were probably about six months old, I would say. And then I, um, I feel like it incredibly turned my, my whole perspective around, um, Obviously, it took a little bit for the medicine to take effect. I did a lot of research on postpartum depression after that. Um, I talked to people about it. And I talked to your dad about it. And we both thought that the medication was the right way to go. And we wanted to do whatever we needed to do to make sure that both you and I stayed safe. Mm -hmm. And we did that. And I'm really glad that I talked to somebody about it because it wasn't just... A little bit of sadness like I could have hurt myself I could have hurt you or both of us and um, I'm glad that I didn't let the stigma of medication or getting help stand in the way of making sure that I took care of us did you ever talk to anybody about it that kind of denied your feelings or kind of made you feel like it wasn't as serious as it was? Um, some of the people that I talked to um, in different realms of my life would be more on the, oh, it's just baby blues. That's natural. You'll grow out of it. You're just sleep deprived. It's fine. It's not something you really have to worry about. You know, it, it, it'll, it'll just, it'll be fine. 
there were those people. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there were people that were completely on board with me getting the help I needed and, um, really advocated for, you know, medical treatment, Mm -hmm. um, even offered, you know, if you need somebody to talk to or this or that, um, there were those people too. So I did experience people on both ends of the spectrum for that. Yeah. But the bad end, obviously, I think is bad. Somebody kind of not really understanding what you're saying. Yeah. They really downplayed it and, and just, Oh, that's normal. It's, it's just the baby blues. That's what they, yeah. you know, always call it. It's just the baby blues and everybody goes through it and you'll grow out of it. Which is if everybody's going through it, isn't that kind of like there's at some point where it shouldn't be normalized anymore. Right. And that it's nothing to be ashamed of. You didn't do anything wrong. And it's, yeah. it's an imbalancement of your hormones. And I, I hope that people who are going to have babies or maybe pregnant now, or maybe have even gone through this themselves. I hope they understand that I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. You didn't do anything wrong. If you've gone through this, or if you will go through this, this isn't something that you've done to yourself. You just carried a child in your womb for nine ish months. And then you birthed them like, that is an amazing thing that your body has done. You can't expect it to just be perfect exactly. after that. Yeah. You know, after you have a baby, you don't go out and run a marathon the next day, right? So you kind of have to take care of your mental health the same way you take care of your physical health Yes. when it comes to having a baby. And in all areas, like especially when you have a baby. Absolutely. And like there's so much stress put on mothers to like bounce back physically, mentally, go to work quickly, you know, clean around the house and do everybody's laundry and things like that. So yeah, you're completely spot on there. It's, and it's a scary thing and it's scary to ask for help and at first I was kind of ashamed to admit to your dad that I was having those thoughts because anybody who knows me knows like you three kids are my life. I would do anything for you guys. And to have to admit that I wasn't being my best self for you or for McKaylee was, that was hard. Um, but thank God I have the best husband in the world and supported me through that and reassured me that this is not something I did wrong Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. But it was scary to, what is somebody going to think? Yeah. And And having to trust another person with that. Yeah. Yeah. But that was just, like I said, I mean, my emotions, Mm -hmm. my hormones, everything playing tricks on me. And unfortunately, postpartum depression is extremely common these days. I mean, it's probably always been common, but I think it's gotten worse over the years. Um, What would be some kind of advice or something that you would want new mothers to know after your experience? Right. The first thing um, is kind of what I already touched on was to not be ashamed of that. Um, Again, it is not your fault that this happened. You didn't do something or not do something 
that caused this. You can have the most perfect pregnancy and birth and still experience postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. You can have the worst pregnancy, the worst birth. It it's okay if you are experiencing um, thoughts as long as you do something about it. Um, I don't want to say it's okay to just let it go. Obviously, that's not okay because you're not helping yourself and you're not helping your baby or anybody else that is around. Um, so just knowing that it's not your fault and it's okay that you are are feeling this way. Now let's just figure it out and get help. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's medication. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's counseling. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's, maybe it's just telling your husband yeah, <laughs> or partner about. But definitely, um, definitely seek medical advice, medical advice from a professional. Talk to your doctor at the six-week baby checkup or the two-week baby checkup. Um, and if your baby doctor doesn't listen to you, go to your your doctor, um, like your primary care physician. Um, if you're feeling things like that, hopelessness, um, thoughts of suicide, depression, things like that, there are ways to help you. And someone will help you. Yep. 100%. Yes. Sometimes it takes a little bit to find the person, but yes. Yeah, there's lots of resources out there. So yes, yes. All right. Well, anything else to add, Miss Julie? Um, no. But thank you for letting me come on here and tell my yeah. um story about postpartum depression. Of course. I hope that something maybe helps someone, whether it's um recognizing if you have postpartum depression or just being aware of it when you have babies in the future. Or maybe um, a 43-year-old woman out there <laughs> is listening and can realize that you can be diagnosed with ADHD <laughs> at 42 just like me. Uh, and still have anxiety and take and medication. still have anxiety and... and still take medication. And it's nothing to be a fr- like, it's nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's okay. Like... People go to medical school to help people for a reason. And my goodness, I am so glad those people exist because I am a whole lot better because of them. Yep. I agree. So thank you for doing this. Thank you for coming on, Miss Mother Julie. Miss Daughter Carly. (laughs) All right, guys. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. Um, I want to thank my amazing mother again for sharing what she went through and also apologize for the horrible pregnancy and labor that she went through with me. I, I, it wasn't my fault. I promise I didn't know what was happening, but, um, you know, she is a true like definition of a fighter. I'm so freaking proud of her for continuing and getting help and, you know, being a light for women now to talk about her anxiety struggles, her struggles with ADHD. I see it every day. I see the struggles every day living with her and, you know, conversating with her. And also she told me like, I want to say maybe two, three weeks ago that she had postpartum depression after she had me and I was stunned 
like I am very um I wouldn't say like educated but like I'm kind of educated on a lot of different mental health things and I know about postpartum depression and I think it's a very undiscussed mental health topic and there's such a stigma around it and there's still so much we don't know and there's still so much research and new developments coming along with it so I was stunned that she like somebody like literally my own mother had dealt with it so I mean if you're a young girl or a young boy or anybody in general, to be honest, ask your parents or ask your mom about her labor and how she felt after labor and really talk to them about it because you never know what they went through unless you've already talked about it or maybe they've never really dealt with like the feelings that they had in the past. So yeah, I think it's a really cool conversation to have. And like I said, I'm very thankful that my mom came on here and was vulnerable enough to share it. Um, Again, that suicide hotline number is 988. So if you know of somebody who is struggling or if you are struggling yourself, that number is always available. And my mom said it herself, don't be ashamed to ask for help. And there are people who are literally in their career to help other people. So the resources are out there. So that brings us to the end. I hope you all are having a phenomenal day and I'll see you next week.